Good morning. Um, it's, a, it's a real honor and a pleasure to be here with you all this morning. And uh, I was going to say that uh, I'm going to have an even harder time uh, copying or, or mimicking Steve because my hair is even shorter than yours, Tennyson. Uh, but um, yeah, thank you to Steve and, and for you guys for the, for the invitation and opportunity to be here. Uh, my name is Alan. I am a pastor uh, and lead church planter for the Steveston Project, which is a church planting initiative uh, in Richmond, in the city of Richmond. Uh, and it's part of the Lower Pacific District uh, with the Evangelical Free Church of Canada. So we are completely legitimate. Um, and, um, and Steve actually uh, sits on what we call our advisory committee. And uh, so he's had the inside scoop pretty much right from the beginning in terms of what we've been doing and, and trying out in Richmond. And uh, so if you want to know more about the Steveson Project, you should just ask Pastor Steve. And uh, if he tells you anything, I want you to come talk to me so that I can uh, see if he's been listening well and paying attention. Um, but uh, and again, all, in all seriousness, uh, just again, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, before we kind of dive into God's word, I was just really feeling the need to uh, just pray with you all. Um, I, I kind of woke up this morning and was just feeling really sort of heavy-hearted. And um, uh, my wife, who couldn't be here with us this morning, we've been sort of facing some external uh, stressors and circumstances. And oftentimes those external stressors become internal stressors. And we've been trying to just work through those things, but I kind of woke up just feeling really heavy-hearted and, and, and just feeling like, man, I, I just don't know if I feel like being here or, or feeling like I have any right to be up here speaking to you guys. And, and, I, and I don't know about you guys, and I don't know what's like here at, at, at White Rock Community, but I've been around church long enough to know that, that there's this feeling that oftentimes we have to put our best face on when we come to church. Um, and, 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 and maybe you're feeling that today. Right? Maybe there's something that's causing you to be heavy-hearted or, or, or feeling like, I, I just want to hide today. And, and all those things can, can really keep us from, from really just being honest with ourselves and honest before God. So I, I just really felt like we needed to pray. Uh, and I need your prayers. And, and, and maybe you know of somebody who's feeling that way. Uh, maybe they're facing something. And maybe as we're praying, you just pray for them as well. Uh, so join me in prayer. Uh, our Heavenly Father, our wonderful God, our God who, who, who reached down from the heavens to, to, to touch us, to, to touch our hearts, to, to grab our attention, to love us. I just want to thank you for this morning. I just thank you for this time together as, as a community. Um, and, and, and really, we, we're, we're just all people here who are on the same level. We're, 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 we're desperate to, to feel connected to, to something greater than ourselves. And that, that something or someone is, is, is you. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that, that your spirit would, would come and just, just break through. Break through into our hearts and, 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 and cut through the things that are, that are standing in, in, in your way. Or, or speak into those things that, that are standing in your way, Lord, to, to touch us, to, to open our hearts to you to hear your word, to, to feel your presence. So Holy Spirit, come, come and speak and, and help us to listen. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I uh, wanted to share with you this morning a, a passage that, that was and continues to be um, very, very significant in, in this journey of mine, uh, uh, becoming a church planter. Um, it's actually Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. And uh, you're welcome to turn to it and, and just follow, but I, I won't be reading directly from it. I'll actually be speaking the story to you, so you can just listen as well. Um, and, and sometimes I feel like that, that's sometimes better because it's a little less distraction, uh, distracting. So I invite you to do that as well if you'd like. Um, but I was, a, I was a pastor for, for nine, about nine years at a church before entering into this church planting journey. And it was during that time that there was this sort of question that was festering in my heart and sort of really just nagging at me. And it was creating this just really great discomfort. And this question was, was, was prefaced by, by several other questions. And the questions kind of went something like this. Jesus calls us to follow him at all costs, right? He says to pick up our cross, which means to completely die to ourselves. Follow him at all costs. And, and, and my question was, was I, was I really doing that? And Jesus says, go and, and make disciples of all nations. Right, just go. And I began asking myself, what, was I really doing that? And, and Jesus promises in this call to go with him that he will be with us, right, to the very end of this age. He has given us his enduring presence in the Holy Spirit who empowers, guides, and leads us through life and, and in this journey of, of following him. And my question was, well, did I really live in a way that demonstrated a real belief in this promise that the Spirit was with me? And all of this led to this, this one question, this, this question that was sort of festering and, and nagging in my heart. What would it look like for me to truly follow Jesus in his mission? What would it really look like for me to truly follow Jesus with, with, with everything on his mission? And, and I, didn't have a, I didn't have a really good answer for that. But I would soon find an answer. Uh, we, we decided as a church at that time to, to preach through the book of Acts, and, and that was just so dangerous. <laughs> and, and there was one passage, Acts 16, uh, beginning in, in verse 6, that, that just struck me right, right to the heart. And right at the very beginning in that passage, in, 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 chapter, in verse 6, we're told about Paul and, and his companions on one of his missionary journeys. They're sort of in the province of Asia Minor, which is, which is present-day Turkey. And we're told that twice they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to enter two uh, sort of regions or, or towns, uh, Myasia and, and Bithynia. So, so they turn and, and, and they're led to a, a town called Troas. And it's there that, that Paul one night receives a dream. And this dream is just very, very simple. It's a man calling out to Paul and saying, 
Come to Macedonia. Come help us. That's it. And with that, Paul packs up. And, and, and after what is, for certain, a, a very treacherous boat ride, he ends up in the city of Philippi in, in Macedonia, the province of Macedonia. And then in Macedonia, he, he sets out to find this man of Macedonia, this man of his dream. And, and it's quite typical, customary, customary, when he goes into a new city, that, that Paul looks for a synagogue. Because that's where he will find his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters who already have a basic understanding of God. And that's usually where he starts. But he goes and, and there's no synagogue. So he catches wind. He hears of this place of prayer that exists. And it happens to be outside the city gates by the river. And when he's there, it's all women. And, and so it's very interesting because the fact that it's sort of outside the city gates... And it's all women, and, and so given the status of, of women in the culture at that time, you're almost sort of getting the sense that this place of prayer was, was a bit sort of underground, sort of illegitimate. It wasn't a synagogue. But, but Paul says, well, this is what I got. So he goes and he, he starts to talk about God to the women who are there. And, and we're told that, that the Lord opens up the ears and the hearts of one woman. Her name is Lydia, the seller of purple dye. And she responds. And she, she, she responds to the word. She hears, she believes. She invites Paul and his friends into her home. She is baptized. Her whole house is baptized. So that's wonderful. It's a very positive thing. But no man of Macedonia yet. So the very next day, he heads back to the place of prayer because that's where he found success. And this time, who does he encounter? A slave girl who is possessed by an evil spirit who gives her the ability to tell fortunes. Not the man of Macedonia. And for several days, this, this, this slave girl follows them around and screams out, these men are men of God. And they're here to tell you the way of salvation. What an odd thing for an evil spirit to say. And finally, after several days, the Apostle Paul gets annoyed and turns to her and casts out the demon. And it's gone. And she's completely healed. Again, fantastic thing, right? But the owners of the slave girl are enraged because this slave girl was earning them lots of money by telling fortunes. So they take Paul and, and, and his companions, they drag them before the city officials, and they falsely accuse them and say, you know, these men have come into this town, and they're, they're teaching us all kinds of weird things, and things for us that, that go against Caesar and, and, and Rome. It's not what they were doing, but, but that's kind of what they said. And, and, and the city sort of becomes this mob and they're joining in this, this, this attack of, of Paul. And so, so the, the city officials have no choice. They, they order for, for Paul and, and Silas to be beaten, flogged severely, and they're thrown into prison, shackled at the ankles. 
And uh, so, so by all accounts, so far, this, this mission to find the, the, the man of Macedonia is not going very well. About midnight rolls around. They're sitting in prison, and Paul and Silas are, are singing hymns and praying. An earthquake comes. A massive earthquake comes and, and just rattles the prison foundations and the, and the gates all fling open and the shackles fall off their feet. And the jailer who was, who was there to look over them, he wakes up and he sees all the doors open and he's freaking out because he's thinking all the prisoners are gone on his watch. So he draws his sword and he's about to kill himself. And a voice comes out of the darkness, and it's Paul. And Paul says, stop, don't do that. Do not harm yourself. We are all still here. So then the jailer just falls at the feet of Paul and Silas, recognizing that they are somehow some kind of men of God or, or something. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord. You and your household, and you will be saved. And he does that. He invites Paul back into their home, his home. And the whole household hears the word of God, and they all are baptized. Many say that the man in the dream, the man of Macedonia, is actually Luke the one who writes the book of Acts, because it's on this particular journey that Paul meets Luke. Right? And so Luke is the one who's saying, hey, come and help us. But I think, if you look at the story itself, it's sort of a self-contained story, the man of Macedonia is the Philippian jailer. God gives him this dream of a man who's calling out to him, and through a series of very, very bizarre events, Paul ends up finding the man of Macedonia, who, who hears the gospel, who believes, who is baptized, who opens up his whole household, who believes and is baptized. And now this Philippian jailer and his household and Lydia and her household, they form the fledgling church in Philippi. So with nothing more than a dream, God leads Paul to the man of Macedonia. Now I used to read this passage and I, and I, and I kind of just glossed over it. Because I used to think that this was a very, very sort of exceptional circumstances. We're talking about the Apostle Paul here, for heaven's sake. I mean, of course God would do this through him. We're talking about the, the, the beginning of the, of, the, of the church. Of course these things happen. But, 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 but that's, not, that's not me. Like, why would those things happen to me? Why would, why would God work in and through me like that? But, but let's just take a moment here and, and roll back the story a little bit. And, and, and sort of think about it from the perspective of Paul right from the very, very beginning. He gets a dream. And it's about as vague as you can be. A man calling out to him, come help us. 
And he knows it's from Macedonia. No name, no description, nothing. That's all he had. And he says, let's go. So you'd have to turn to his buddies and say, hey, let's pack up. We need support. We need help. We want to go on this treacherous boat ride. And they're like, why? I have a dream. That's all I got. Right? And then I'm pretty sure that on the pre-trip itinerary, it didn't say uh, persecution is on your way or you're going to sit through an earthquake. The plan was to go to the synagogue. There was no synagogue. So they went to this place of prayer. He was looking for a man, but it was all women. I'm pretty sure it wasn't on the pre-trip itinerary to run into a slave girl who was possessed by an evil spirit. And like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't sign up and say, yeah, uh, I would like a flogging, be falsely accused and then imprisoned. I mean, that was totally what I wanted when I came here today, right? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it wasn't on the plan to expect that an earthquake would be the thing that would open up and lead them ultimately to the Philippian jailer. Like, it just, it just wasn't there. It wasn't, it wasn't on the plan. It was just a dream. And with nothing more than a dream and the conviction that God speaks and we are to listen and follow, Paul goes. And the Holy Spirit leads him step by step by step through this outrageous journey that by the end you could only say and give credit to God and say, well, God did all of that. And there they found the man of Macedonia, the Philippian jailer. Like I said, I used, to, I used to look at that and still think, that's just exceptional. But then we started to preach through, as we were preaching through the rest of Acts, we started to see the same thing, the same pattern. And then you started to look at, I started to recall all the stories that I heard, you know, through Sunday school and growing up at church, Old Testament and all, and you see more of the same. Right? Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. That's it. Abraham, take your one and only son that I've given you and, and, and sacrifice him for me. Hey, Noah, go build this massive boat. There's no water around you. I started to see over and over again that this is how God works. This is how he calls and speaks and, and invites us to him and his work. It's not exceptional. It's normative. This is how we're supposed to live and function and trust and walk with our Lord every day. He doesn't tell us the whole plan. 
He doesn't tell us at the onset that it's going to be safe or easy. He just says, come and follow me. I'll be there with you. That's it. And our responsibility is to listen and to respond in simple obedience. To listen to the voice of God, the nudging of the Holy Spirit, and just follow in simple obedience. And the simplicity of this truth just knocked me right over. Because there was a part of me that was convicted that I wasn't doing that. Not even close. And there I found the answer to my question. What would it look like for me to truly follow Jesus in his mission? I have to listen and walk in simple obedience. And it was really that truth, that realization that, that, that spurred me just to, to, to take this leap of faith and say, well, I never thought that I'd be a church planter. I never imagined that this is what I was going to do. But there was this conviction and nudging to just go. And I had to. But then as I, as I did that, there was sort of a, a subsequent question that kind of came up. Does God still work that way now, today? Does, does he really work in this manner today in any of us? That, that if I were to, to give an ear to the Holy Spirit to listen and then just follow in simple obedience, would God work in this manner would he still lead me just as he led the Apostle Paul uh, to, to people who, who needed to hear the gospel? And once again, uh, I, I found an answer very, very shortly. Uh, it was about two years ago, um, when, close to when this journey was sort of starting for me, and, and, and when these questions were sort of just festering in my heart, I, I met a new friend, another pastor who's in L.A., and... Um, it was very, very clear that God was doing some wonderful things in his church and through their ministry as they were, as they were walking in simple obedience. And, and so I said, well, I, I really want to learn from you. So, and I want my, my leadership team to learn from you. So we, we flew him up from L.A. And um, it was May 2016, uh, the, uh, the, the, the month that we flew him up. And um, throughout that whole month, it was it was warm. It was very, very hot and dry. It was very sort of unusual. And, and we were like, great, like it's going to be sunny. And so what we're going to do is um, like part of, the, part of the training for that weekend for, for sort of gospel sharing and discipleship was that we would take the team and we would split us up into teams and we would just blanket the city and, and, and go and just talk to people. Start with a casual conversation and, and offer to bless people through prayer. And if the opportunity came up, share a story of Jesus. That's it. Just go. So that was part of the training. And, and um, it was a sunny, sunny month. And so we were thinking, this is going to be wonderful because then we can go to the parks. That's where all the people are. And uh, we, can, we can meet lots of people. And so the weekend we flew them up, it rained. 
the one weekend in the whole month. And so we were bummed and we were even praying to God. We said, God, take away the rain. But it didn't stop raining. So we were like, well, I guess we've got to go somewhere else. We've got to change our plans. So we headed into the coffee shops and into the mall. And uh, I went with my friend Jimmy and I said, well, let's, let's go. And we went to this coffee shop that was close to our church. And we went in and, and, and we approached a young man and we said to him, um, we're here to bless the community. We just wanted to know if there's a particular challenge in your life, well, we'd like to pray for you. And uh, he, he just paused, he looked at us and he said, no, no, thank you. We said, okay, have a good day. We saw another young man over here and we, we, we approached this young man, he had headphones on, we said the same thing. We said, hey, we want to bless the community and we're here uh, just to, to, to pray for people. Do you have a particular challenge in your life uh, that we could pray for? We'd like to do that. And then he kind of just looked at us like, like we had horns coming out of our heads. <laughs> and we're like, okay, sorry to bother you. That's okay. Um, have a good day. God bless you. And we turn the corner and uh, we see this, this woman. Um, she's just sitting down with her coffee. And we, we do the same thing. We, we say to her, very same thing. Hi, we're, we're, we're here to bless the community. We want to pray for people. And we're just wondering if there's a particular challenge in your life. We'd like to pray for you. There's silence. Her eyes start to, to, to well up with tears. She starts spilling her life to us, complete strangers. She starts telling us that she has two children. I think, I think they were like a 9 and 11 or around that age bracket. She says... They both have very, very special challenges. My daughter's autistic, and my son has physical, physical disabilities. She starts crying. She says, it's been very, very hard. Complete stranger. So she keeps telling us about her life, and, and we said, well, we, we said we'd pray for you, so, so I'm going to pray for you, so I prayed for her. She starts just bawling her eyes out. And then Jimmy, my friend, says to her, she says, I have three kids and one of my sons, he's autistic. I didn't know that. And he says, it's been very difficult for us. And he says, we've been praying a lot and, and this is how God's been helping us. And he says, I encourage you to pray more. And she says, okay. And then he proceeds to tell her the story, a Jesus story. Uh, it's, the, it's the one where Jesus encounters the woman with the bleeding problem. I don't know if you're familiar with that. In Luke, um, I think it's chapter 6. One of those. 6 or 8. And, and in, this, in this, this, this account, Jesus is in the crowds and he's, and he's heading uh, to a home uh, in order to perform a miracle. But in this town, there's this woman who's had this, uh, like this hemorrhaging, like a bleeding problem. She's had it for 12 years and she's tried everything under the sun. She's, she's spent all her money on doctors and all kinds of things, but, but nothing has healed her. But she knows Jesus is coming through the town, so she, she sneaks in behind the crowd, behind Jesus, and she, she reaches in and just touches the edge of his robe and she's completely healed. And then Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? turns to his disciples, who touched me? 
And his disciples look at each other and they look at him and they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? The whole crowd's pressing against you. Everybody's touching you. What an odd question. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Something was different. I felt power come out of me. So somebody touched me differently. Who was it? And so the woman in the crowd, fearful and knowing that she can't hide anymore, she comes out. She reveals herself and then she explains to everybody. She says, this is why I touch you because I believe that if I just touch the edge of your robe, I'd be healed of this problem that I've been having for 12 years. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. Right, so Jimmy shares this story with this woman that we just met. And he asks her, what do you think of this Jesus? And she says, I think he has the power to heal. And then Jimmy asks, well, what do you think you should do? Or what do you, how do you want to respond now? And she says, I think, I think I would like to trust more. This complete stranger You roll back, let's roll back this story a little bit. It could have been any other weekend that we brought Jimmy up, but it was that weekend. The one weekend that it rained, that drove us to the coffee shop, that coffee shop. It could have been any hour in the day, but it was that particular hour, that particular moment that we were there and she was there as well. Could have been any other person, but she had an autistic child, just like my friend Jimmy. We had no way of knowing that this was the encounter that God wanted us, but through a series of circumstances, God led us to the one who was ready to hear and respond. And at the end of it all, we, all we could say was God did that. God did that. You know what she said to us? She said, you know, this neighborhood is not even where I live. She said, I'm only here because my daughter has a dance recital. I took her to the place where the dance recital is and they're doing a rehearsal and there's a little time to kill so I came here for a coffee today. So even she knew that somehow this was a divine, a divine appointment. Does God still work this way? Is the Holy Spirit still alive and, and directing and leading us to be agents of the gospel for people who are far from God? Well, I discovered a resounding yes. Absolutely. But my responsibility is to take on, to live a posture of, of listening to the Holy Spirit and then responding in simple obedience. That's it. That's my responsibility. To listen, to respond in simple obedience. And then we, we join whatever it is that God takes us into this wild ride 
And at the end of the day, we can say, God, God did that. That's all we can say. But to listen and to respond with simple obedience. And, and, and I'm continuing to learn that lesson over and over again. You, it's as simple as can be, but, but, but as hard as can be to follow, if you, if you get me. And, and together in our, in our church plant at the Stevenson Project, we're, we're just gathering people together to say, hey, can we encourage each other to do this, to live this way, to live this posture as, as much as possible? And, and that's what we're about. We have to listen and to respond in simple obedience. Um, one of the things we like to do uh, at the Stevenson Project is, is to ask ourselves, um, you know, after we've, we've, we've heard from the word or, or, or encountered Christ in some way, we, we ask ourselves, how, how will I respond? And, and we want to be as specific as possible. We want to say, hey, this, this very week, I want to do this, this, and this in response to what I have heard. And, and again, it's part of just learning that posture of listening and then responding, simple obedience. And, and so I, I, like to, I like to always ask the same wherever I go to say today, hey, is there, is there something? If you can just take a moment and say, is there, is there something that the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart to say, this is how I want to respond to the Lord today, tomorrow, this week, and let it be as specific as possible. Like, what would that be? What is God placing on your heart like, like this very moment? And if there's something, I, I encourage you to tell somebody you trust because it's in community that we walk together in faith uh, in, in, in doing what the Lord wants us to do. Or if there's something, that, that, like a nudging or, or, or something that struck you today, I invite you to tell me. I would love to hear it and pray for you and pray with you. I would love that. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I, I, I just want to confess that I, I don't live a life that, that's I don't live a life consistently that speaks of, of the fact that, that, that Jesus is alive, that the Holy Spirit is, is amongst us and in us. Lord, I confess that I, I, I want to trust too much in, in, my, in my, my own abilities and, and my own understandings of, of the world and, and how I want to control things so that, that I feel safe. I confess that. I, I just, I find it hard, Lord, to, to hear and just trust you. And, and, and today, Lord, you, you know best. Lord, you, you know everyone here more, more than they know themselves. And, and you know what it is they need to hear. You, you, you know whatever circumstance that, that they're facing that, that, that needs you desperately in it. Lord, you know the, the, the response or, or the thing that, that, that you have placed in their hearts. And I ask, Lord, that, 
that God, you, you, would, you would give us the courage. You would, you would just push us to that place where we, we say, I, I can't not respond. I, I have to respond because I know it's you, Lord, calling me, nudging me on. And so help us, help us step into your, that, that leading, your voice. And as we do, Lord, show us just how awesome, how big, how amazing you are. Give us ears of faith. Give us, give us the feet of courage to walk with you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.